my Federation family and welcome to all of you. We have hundreds of Federationists from around our country joining us this evening for this historic event, our first ever live presidential release. And we are so delighted that all of you are here with us this evening. We know that our Federation family around the country is coming together during this time of uncertainty. But one thing that we know for sure is that we can count on each other in the National Federation of the Blind. Again, it is wonderful to welcome all of you this evening. I wanted to mention again, very quickly, just again, housekeeping that everybody is on mute currently. Everybody will be muted during President Riccobono's remarks. And if anyone needs closed captioning, it is available for the presidential release and available through using refreshable braille displays. So I wanted to share that with everybody. If anyone has questions or comments, it can be sent using the chat feature. Again, this evening we come together to draw strength, to draw energy, to draw from the love of each other. And it is my pleasure now to turn over this evening to our esteemed president whose never ending energy, whose tremendous courage and wisdom and whose love and commitment to our organization and to each of us give us great comfort and solace during this time. President Riccobono. Thank you very much, Pam, and I appreciate uh, your leadership and efforts as well. And greetings, fellow Federationists. Today is April 2nd, 2020, and this is presidential release number 493, our first presidential release with a live audience. And so I'll uh, say hello from each of you since you're all muted, but it is really cool to have you uh, all on the Zoom platform with us this evening. It was uh, really quite an experience to listen to everybody ringing in. Last time I looked, we were at 300 or better than 300. If you're getting texts from your friends saying that they, uh, they can't get on because we've maxed out, we're looking at that. Uh, we're supposed to have much more capacity for 300. So... Uh, Tell them to hang in there, and I'm sure uh, Pam will let us know, or, or someone will, uh, when that's been fixed. What a difference a month can make since the last presidential release. Actually, even what a difference three weeks can make since presidential release number 492.5, uh, which was on the 13th of March. It really has been quite a three weeks for us dealing with um, the activities of the COVID-19 and keeping the National Federation of the Blind moving forward. But I also wanna say what a difference the Federation family always makes. Uh, if there was any doubt in anybody's mind, I think the last three weeks will have erased that. Observing Federation members coming together to support each other, to uh, continue to create opportunities, to find innovative ways to connect and protect blind people in this important time in our nation, in the world. It has been one of the most heartwarming things that I could have imagined. I want you to know I've been working uh, remotely now for about 10 days for my house. I'm actually in my office right now at the National Federation of the Blind Jernigan Institute. Uh, but our building has been closed for a number of days now. Uh, my children have been out of school for about three weeks now. We're finishing up the third week, but our family is healthy and happy. Uh, everybody's doing well at home. I do want to send greetings to each and every one of you from my wife, Melissa, who uh, I'm sure is on the call somewhere. She is uh, 
working hard to uh, keep the kids moving forward and, and learning in and in amongst all the other things that are going on in what has really been, I think, three weeks, uh, three of the busiest weeks we've ever experienced. And we're doing some unusual things since we're uh, stuck at home together. For me, you probably have noticed I've been posting videos to Facebook of uh, me playing the guitar, which is kind of a stretch for me because I'm not really a public performer in that way, but it's been a little bit fun to see people's comments about it. First and foremost, we and my family extend our great appreciation to each and every one of you who have reached out to give your personal support, to check on how we're doing in and amongst the Federation work and keeping the Federation moving forward. So I'm so grateful to each and every one of you. And uh, while I'm at it, want to extend my appreciation to the Federation leaders who have been helping in this effort and certainly to our first Vice President, Pam Allen. So this evening, I have a slew of things to talk to you about. I'm going to get through them as quickly as I can. I want to talk about our COVID response activities in the National Federation of the Blind. I want to cover some of the key highlights of our work and some of the virtual events that we've been putting together at the national level as well as local events that we're synergizing with and resources. I want to share some Federation family news, of course, and we're going to try to leave plenty of time for questions. I am also going to discuss our national convention, so I'm going to get to that a little later. First of all, let me start with our COVID-19 pandemic response. Well, the good news, the best news, is that the heartbeat and engine of the National Federation of the Blind is as strong as ever. We continue to connect and protect blind people in the way only we can in the National Federation of the Blind. And although we're facing a lot of things we hadn't planned for, the Federation uh, members, leaders have stepped up in a real way. Uh, as you know, the Board of Directors on March 13th put a stay on in-person Federation events that continues through April 12th. I fully expect that that will be extended consistent with the uh, President of the United States uh, mandate for social distancing through the end of April. The board hasn't met on that question yet. We are meeting later this weekend. I do expect the board to at least be consistent with the April 30 timeline. It's possible we may adopt something longer. Personal outreach connections have been happening all over the Federation, not just virtual events, but blind people picking up the phone and checking on our members who aren't as well socially connected or plugged into technology as some of us. And it's really heartwarming to see. Keep it up. Keep checking on our Federation family members and keep reaching out to blind people in the communities. It is really making a difference. And we are hearing that every day from blind people, both via the telephone and our social media. If you are a blind person on this call who needs assistance, please reach out to your local affiliate of the National Federation of the Blind. You can find information on nfb.org. And if you're not a member yet of the National Federation of the Blind, let me be the first on this particular forum to invite you to become a member. We would love to have you as a member of our Federation family. 
already mentioned that we did close the NFB Jernigan Institute just about a week ago on March 24th was the first day we were closed. All of our core operations are still happening, but there are a few things we are not able to do. We are shipping free white canes. We initially said we might not be able to do that, but we are fulfilling requests at least on a weekly basis. That's less frequent than we would otherwise, but we are continuing to ship free white canes. So if you need a cane, please continue to request them. Our independence market and literature distribution is closed at the moment because we're just not going to be able to get product out like we need to. So that is on hold. We'll certainly let you know when we can spin that up and we'll do that as soon as we possibly can. Obviously, we want to make sure that our, our staff can stay as safe as possible. So we have a very minimal number of staff coming to the building on a daily basis or somewhat daily basis to check on our building and mail and that sort of thing. All of our staff are healthy and safe, and we've been taking great care to make sure that our staff are, are taken care of. You know they're a vital part of the work that we do in this organization and, and appreciation um, to our staff who have really, uh, again, over the last three weeks, done some tremendous work to keep our operations going. We are monitoring and providing expertise on all aspects of blindness as it relates to the COVID situation, especially the disparate treatment that blind people face in a number of realms, some of them being access to information, access to testing, especially with some of the challenges with drive-up testing centers, inaccessible distance learning, uh, health applications, and other services. We've been trying to monitor and and work on that both from the national and local level. We've been working with government officials on making sure that the this is a very dynamic situation. It's changing constantly, but I'm confident that each and every one of you know that equal access in voting is one of our top priorities. We took advantage of the Help America Vote Act 20 years ago now to expand voting rights for blind people, and we have no intention of letting those rights slip in this critical time, and we are looking for opportunities, especially as states are really seriously considering expanding mail-in ballots and online ballot marking tools. We're watching and coordinating and making sure that we're providing expertise on accessibility. We're also watching and, and trying to create opportunities to protect blind people in the, in the stimulus packages that are being presented by the government. Those are just the high-level highlights of some of the things we're doing. You can view, well, all of our COVID-19 activities by going to nfb.org slash covid19. That page includes all of the activities that the Federation is doing, accessible resources that we're finding, information that might be helpful, connections to our state affiliates, and many of our State affiliates are developing state-level resources that are specific to locations. So check out our COVID-19 page. And if you have suggestions of things that should be added, please be sure to email those to communications team at nfb.org. 
You may already know that we have opened up our NFB Newsline system to make sure that we're leveraging it to give blind people the best access to current information about the coronavirus. You can access the breaking news category where we have a, a global search there that you can get, I think, more up-to-date access uh, from the news than, than anybody else can get in faster. We've also provided access through Newsline to the Johns Hopkins University statistics that are updated on a regular basis. They're pretty interesting to watch and you have easy access to them on Newsline through all of the various formats in both voice and braille. So you should continue to use Newsline. The Federation has made the commitment to make Newsline available in every state in the nation, all of our affiliates. And we had a number that were unsponsored and so Newsline was not available. We've currently made it available for the next 60 days in those seven affiliates where it was not previously available. So everybody has access to Newsline to keep up to date on information. If you find ways that and things that you think would be helpful, especially in this time, that we should add to Newsline, please drop those ideas in an email to Scott White, that's S White at nfb.org, or give him a call at our main number, 410. 410- Six five nine nine three one four extension two two three one. We'll see if we can get it worked into our plans. We want to make sure we leverage Newsline to be the most dynamic information system for blind people. So I've said that we've made Newsline available in the places where it was not before. If you're listening to this, or you know of people who may want access to Newsline, you should encourage them to join the Newsline system. You can join by calling our toll-free number, 866-504-7300, or you can go online and fill out an online application by visiting nfbnewsline.org. There's also just a ton of new publications on Newsline that you may not know about publications for kids, for families that are at home with with young ones, uh, all sorts of stuff. I encourage you to use Newsline as one of your information sources at this time. Okay, let me talk quickly about federal advocacy. We've been doing a ton of work to uh, make sure that Congress is well aware that blind people are still here and that we're a strong voice and that we need to be protected and included in what's happening. We have been tracking each of the first three coronavirus bills that have gone through the Congress. We believe that another bill is expected in the next few weeks, or or at least the near future. These bills are called C and then a number, so the next one is C4. So we're monitoring these quite closely. As you likely know, part of the recent bill, C3, was an economic impact payment for most Americans. This is often referred to in the media as check is in the mail. I wanted to give you some information about that to make sure you're all aware. This also is going to be, is now actually, on nfb.org slash covid19. You can find all this information. In fact, more than I'm going to give you. 
But if you are a single taxpayer with an adjusted gross income, an AGI, of less than $75,000, you will receive the full $1,200 payment from the government. If you're a taxpayer with an AGI above $75,000, you will receive a progressively smaller amount until the AGI reaches $99,000. Single taxpayers with an AGI above $99,000 will not receive an economic impact payment. Now, joint taxpayers with an AGI of less than $150,000 will receive a $2,400 payment. And as you might expect, uh, joint taxpayers with an AGI above $150,000 will receive a progressively smaller amount until the AGI reaches $198,000. Above that amount, of course, you won't be eligible for the economic impact payment. There are additional thresholds for those uh, filing as head of household. That will be on the website. I'm not going to cover that here. For every qualifying child age 16 or under, an additional $500 will be added to the economic impact payment. A few other notes to, to be aware of regarding these payments. You must have filed a tax return for the years 2018 or 2019. If you receive Social Security or SSI benefits, and were not required to file a tax return in either 2018 or 2019, the IRS will still send you an economic impact payment. And so I want to emphasize that again, you should receive an economic impact payment if you're receiving Social Security or SSI and didn't have to file taxes. That is different than uh, earlier guidance that was put out, and there was a flurry of activity around that, just one of the many things that we have been working on. However, individuals receiving Social Security or SSI will only receive the $1,200 base payment. You will not receive the additional $500 for dependents, according to the current guidance we're getting. And again, all of this will be on our website, COVID-19, and we will publish some of this in the Braille Monitor. Some of it's changing frequently. If you're receiving Social Security or SSI, you're probably wondering if there's an impact of these economic impact payments on your benefits. There should not be, but there are some wrinkles in those rules. So you should definitely go uh, look at our information on the website. Uh, for more information on a variety of coronavirus relief offerings by the IRS, you can go to www.irs.gov coronavirus. We are continuing to look at ways to help blind people in the C4 package that might be coming. One, as you might expect, is our Access Technology Affordability Act. 
That has been part of the conversation in the previous three bills, and it, it continues to be a point of conversation. We do have interest in Congress in possibly including that legislation as a way to assist blind people, especially at the time that the economy spins back up. We are seeking language to eliminate the waiting period for Medicare, which is 24 months, and SSDI, which is five months. Uh, we're seeking a waiver for that waiting period uh, during this crisis time so that we can speed up applications, especially for those who might have been impacted and suddenly need those benefits. So we are seeking that in the in the re next relief package. We're also seeking relief for our Randolph Shepard vendors who have definitely been significantly impacted by the activities and the spin down in the government. Locations have been closed completely for obvious reasons and, and those individuals significantly impacted. We're also seeking relief for important programs like the training centers of the National Federation of the Blind. Undoubtedly, we'll be pursuing other things uh, as they come up in the Congress. A little side note, but I do want to remind everybody that uh, we are currently in the census time period, and it's really, really important that we need all blind people to complete the census so that we can be adequately counted and included in the census, you can go to my2020census.gov or you can call 1-844-330-2020. That number again is 844-330-2020. To fill out your census, you probably received a card in the mail with a 12-digit uh, or 12 uh, alphanumeric code that speeds up the process a little bit. If you didn't get that, you can still go online and fill out the census. You'll have a few more questions to, to complete or fill it out by calling. But if you have the card, it speeds it up a little bit. So you might want to look for that. And of course, there are many ways to get access to that. If you're finding uh, running into problems filling out the census, I know that many blind people have successfully done it. It's a little finicky, as most technologies are. And also, you may notice that the census page recommends that screen reader users use, for example, Internet Explorer, which hardly nobody supports anymore. So you, you can, uh, many people have successfully gotten through it. But if you run into trouble, send your experiences, what technologies you were using, to Valerie Yingling in our office so that we can document what problems folks are running into uh, and hopefully help to get those corrected. Valerie's email address is v-y-i-n-g-l-i-n-g at nfb.org. Uh, one of our activities has been to continue and ramp up the work that we've been doing to investigate barriers related to uh, online learning, and especially as it relates now to the online learning that has been driven by the COVID-19 experience. We've put up a number of resources. Um, we've repackaged some things. We've tried to increase our training for students about what their rights are and to remind universities about 
best practices they can use for dealing with providing equal access. And of course, a, a number of them have been pushed into platforms that they hadn't well planned for and that are not accessible. And that's their problem, not ours. So we want to continue to push them on that. Obviously, uh, the time period is fairly short. We want to get students through the rest of the semester as well. So we should be paying particular attention to the barriers that are happening through virtual learning systems, through healthcare apps, and um, tracking that information and getting folks to fill out our surveys online that invite people to report to us inaccessible technologies. Uh, you can also report findings and experiences that you're having to see how we can help you with resources by emailing accessiblenow at nfb.org. Some of our other work, of course, does continue. We haven't given it up. And one of our things is to continue to protect the right of blind people using service animals in the rideshare industry. And maybe that is even more important than ever since the rideshare pool is uh, diminished during this time. Specifically, right, right now, we are requesting members with service animals who continue to be discriminated against by Uber drivers that we're asking you to consider providing a signed statement regarding these experiences. If you're interested in knowing more about this and providing a a signed statement about your experiences with discrimination in Uber, please again contact Valerie Yingling at V-Y-I-N-G-L-I-N-G at nfb.org or you can also reach her by telephone, but I think it's better if you can email her. You can also reach her here at the National Office Extension 2440. If you can email her by April 17th, uh, we're going to take some important next steps related to pushing Uber. And so we need these signed declarations very soon. So you can get more information about our rideshare efforts by visiting nfb.org slash rideshare. Tomorrow, a survey will be launched uh, regarding COVID-19 activities. This is a survey that has been put together with the assistance of the National Federation of the Blind, along with IRA and the Professional Development and Research Institute on Blindness at Louisiana Tech and a number of other uh, players in the blindness field. Uh, many have come together. This is going to be launched tomorrow. We need as many blind people to fill it out as possible. We want to track data about what's happening to blind people so that we continue to, to point resources throughout the field in the right direction and to help with the real problems that blind people are facing, not research or efforts that are based on misconceptions about blindness. So thanks to Ira and other partners for, for helping to put this together. This uh, effort is called Flattening the Inaccessibility Curve, and you'll see information in the Federation communications channels about that tomorrow. Please consider filling it out. It is kind of a longish survey, 
the research folks got a hold of it. Sorry about that. So it might take you about 30 minutes. So maybe when you're taking a break between uh, work and uh, watching Netflix, whatever you might be trying to do to uh, occupy yourself, please consider filling out this survey. You will be able to find it, of course, at nfb.org slash COVID-19. We have been doing a tremendous lot of work to make sure that our families with blind children have activities and positively directed activities with non-visual skills for their kids. This is our distance education project, learning from your living room, we call it. We're putting content out on a daily basis, and you should check it out. We need your help spreading the word about this tremendous content. Some of it is content we're repurposing. Some of it is new content. On Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays, we're putting out Uh, We're putting up on the internet an activity for students. Some of these are simply fun activities. Some of them describe things that non-visual techniques that blind people can use around the household. On Tuesdays, we're putting up a video on our YouTube channel that shows how blind people accomplish some sort of task. And the goal there is to, uh, again, increase the the training for families. On Thursdays, we have a number of activities. We're putting up a YouTube video of a blind person reading a book in Braille, of course, with some questions. And we also have Thursdays at 11 a.m. Eastern time, we have an interactive lesson that's being offered on Zoom. Families can find all of these activities on the National Organization Parents of Blind Children Facebook page or by visiting nfb.org slash resources slash distance dash education dash resources or going to the nfb.org slash COVID-19 page, which is easier to remember. Thanks again to our divisions, uh, our parents division, our professionals in blindness education, the Professional Development Research Institute on Blindness, and a number of federationists from a number of our affiliates that are helping with this. If you have ideas of things that we could be doing uh, to help families to put up resources, or if you just want to help, you should reach out to Karen Anderson, who is our coordinator of education programs. You can reach her at kanderson at nfb.org. As you likely know, we have a number of virtual events happening all over the Federation. We're trying to bundle those together, send them out in regular emails. You can send your events to communications team at nfb.org and we'll get them included. If you want to sign up to make sure you get these emails, please send an email to nfb at nfb.org and just include in the subject line that you want to be included in our virtual events update emails, and we'll get you on that list. And of course, you can, if you join any of our NFBnet listservs at nfbnet.org, you can get connected with those emails. We're sending that email out to folks on our NFBnet listserv. Okay, that was a ton of information, but I still have a little bit more to talk about. There's been a lot of questions about our national convention, which is scheduled 
to be in Houston from July 14 to 19. Uh, I mentioned on the release that we had three weeks ago that we're planning to go forward with the convention. We're still looking at it day by day, week by week. And as you know, the event since March 13th, I, I think uh, new wrinkles have been added to the picture of what we're learning every day. We have been investigating and considering what potential alternatives there may be. We certainly understand, and I speak on behalf of all of the members of the national board, we certainly understand why people are nervous about having a national convention, especially of the size and complexity that we often do and we have recently. We are carefully weighing all of the information about the convention and what the possible alternatives might be. We're putting recommendations together. The board of directors has not yet had gotten together all of the data that's needed to really make a full uh, decision on exactly what direction we're going to go. I do expect the board to discuss this in detail and set some direction in the next week. Keep in mind that we have considered from the beginning of this pandemic that we have some time and we wanna carefully measure out what we do. We focused first on our internal operations and taking care of our staff, knowing that the convention was a number of months away. Rest assured, whatever we do, we will make sure to take care of the members of the Federation and we'll do our best to make sure that nobody is negatively impacted by any decision that we make. The convention is our most important activity and we will have an annual meeting of some sort. It's hard to say today what it will look like or uh, what shape it will be, but the beauty of it is this allows us an opportunity to get innovative, to think about some new ideas, uh, some approaches. Uh, certainly it will be uh, almost impossible to have a, a meeting of the scope and influence that we've had in person. But just this evening, this evening's gathering makes it clear that we can put together a variety of activities that still have a lot of Federation spirit in them and that still allow us to have the scope and influence that we're used to having in this movement. So stay tuned. Rest assured that anything we do, if you're not comfortable with it, don't feel any pressure to participate, but we are going to set up a national convention and an annual meeting that will allow as many federationists to participate as possible. Okay, uh, two more things real quickly. We have our pre-authorized contribution program. And this is one of the primary ways that we fund our movement, allowing blind people to connect and protect. And we are continuing to do a lot of those activities. And those dollars that are coming in are uh, really more important than they have ever been. We recognize that uh, we also have to spin up some new things because of the, the COVID-19 pandemic. And that's requiring us to stretch our outreach in new ways. We know that some of you who are already contributors to the PAC plan may need to tighten up a little bit, but we do encourage you to remember that those dollars are really important to continuing to protect our rights as blind people. We also know that some blind people 
uh, will be in a position to continue to help. And if you're in a position to continue to help us financially by contributing to the PAC plan, I urge you to continue to do it. And my family has made the commitment to continue contributing to the PAC plan. If you're in a position to join our pre-authorized contribution program and you haven't before, please do so. If you can't, we understand, but we know that the stimulus checks are coming. And if you decide to put some aside to help us continue to connect and protect blind people, we would be greatly appreciative. You can visit our website to learn about all of the ways that you can contribute financially to the work of the National Federation of the Blind by visiting nfb.org and selecting the ways to give. Thank you to each and every one of you who contributes financially. It, it makes a tremendous difference to what we're able to do for blind people. And thank you this month specifically to the Connecticut Association of Blind Students for being the latest chapter uh, in division to join the PAC plan. All right, I do have some Federation family news to share with you real quickly. We did lose a number of Federationists in the last little while. I regret to inform you of the passing of uh, Steve Benson of Illinois, who passed away after a long illness on March 22nd. Steve leaves behind his wife, Peg, and his son, Patrick, as well as their two grandchildren. You may know that Steve was a national board member for about 20 years, and he served as president of the Illinois affiliate of the National Federation of the Blind for 24 years. The NFB of Texas reports that Ramon Ramirez, who was a valuable member of our San Antonio chapter, passed away, as well as Stella, who, you know what? This is the beauty of doing things live. I don't have Stella's last name here. So Stella served as president of our Permian Base chapter in Texas. My apologies to Stella uh, and to the NFB of Texas for that. But I urge you to keep our colleagues in your thoughts and prayers. Also, Dorothy Griffin, who is president of the NFB of Georgia, reports that Kay Elizabeth Jordan passed away. On Friday, Kay served as president of our Diabetes Action Network in Georgia and was active in a number of other things. I urge you to keep all of these Federationists in your thoughts and prayers. Now, we also do have a number of Federationists who have been directly impacted by the coronavirus. We have a number of Federationists who are sick because of it that I'm personally aware of. I'm sure there are many I don't know about and certainly family members of Federationists. I do regret to have to let you know that Robert Gates, who was a member of our Washington DC affiliate, did pass away from the virus last month. Uh, undoubtedly, as I say, there are those that I don't know about. I urge you to keep all of our Federation family members who we've lost, who are dealing with the, the virus very directly in our thoughts, in your thoughts and prayers. And I encourage you to continue to spread the word about Federationists that need our help, uh, not just prayers, but real help in getting through this difficult period of time. 
I did want to end on a positive note, and that it, this one comes from the National Federation of the Blind of Maryland. Our president, Ronza Othman, shares that Melissa Sheeter and her husband, Aaron Carpenter, welcomed a baby boy, Ian Ace Carpenter, on March 18th, 2020. Melissa and Aaron are members of the Greater Baltimore Chapter of the National Federation of the Blind. Ian weighed in at seven pounds, one ounce, and 20 inches long. Ian, his parents, and his big brother, Luke, and sister, Wren, are all reported to be doing well. And so let me welcome Ian as the newest member of the National Federation of the Blind. I think those are the notes that I had for this presidential release live. And so I'm going to, at this point, turn it over to our able first vice president, Pam Allen, to facilitate the next part of the meeting. Thank you, Pam. Thank you so much, President Riccobono, and thank you for your remarks and all the great information that shared tonight. I want to thank everybody for your patience. Uh, as usual, and Federation style, we stormed the Zoom platform. So thank you for everybody, your patience getting on in the beginning. And I'm very excited to say we have over 800 people currently on the call. So welcome all again. I just want to go over quickly a few housekeeping things before we start our questions and answers. First of all, just a reminder that currently everyone is muted and will remain on mute. So you cannot unmute yourselves just because we have so many Federationists joining in tonight and also wanna welcome those who are maybe joining us for the first time. Also, I wanna mention that if you are called upon to submit a question or to ask your question, you will be unmuted at that time. And then once your question is asked, you will be muted again, just so we can cut down on any background noise. Also, just a reminder, if you would like to submit a question through chat, you can do that directly to the National Federation of the Blind. And the chat feature is available in the uh, Zoom app or the web. And also, uh, I wanna thank everybody who emailed questions in ahead of time. We really appreciate all the, the great submissions and the great questions from all around our Federation family. So we're going to do our best to cover everything. And if we can't get to everything tonight, do not worry, we'll be following up. So thank you again to everybody. So President Riccobona, here's our first question for tonight. This was submitted by George from Houston, Texas. And I want to uh, share this question. I know this is a question on a, a lot of people's minds uh, this, this evening. So George says, as a blind person who travels and performs many duties independently, but because of the current pandemic we are experiencing, many requests have been made by elected public officials to practice shelter in place, and companies, eateries, and other facilities have closed their establishments to pedestrian traffic. How can we send a message to the decision makers to have a backup plan in place for customers who are blind to receive service, since not everybody has access to a vehicle or has a person to drive them to go through a drive through through a fast food place, restaurant, bank, etc. Thanks, Pam, uh, for that. And let me let me just before I get to George's question, um, say that the the name I did not have in front of me, Stella Davila, who was the uh, president 
of our chapter in Texas. So sorry about that. Uh, so George's question is a, a very good question. And I should, I guess, start off by saying um, one of the interesting things about the last three weeks is the questions and the answers are, are really developing because federationists are actively engaged and thinking about these things. And uh, so I appreciate the question. We haven't taken any action at the uh, national level to do this, but uh, to, to put out any guidance, but putting out guidance is a good idea, but there's a lot you can do at the local level to influence this. First and foremost, of course, these are all places of public accommodation. And um, especially now, nobody's walking in, right? I mean, this is not a new problem. Blind people have been kicked out of walking through drive-throughs for a long time, especially when the, the restaurant, the main restaurants closed. So it's no different. This is a place of public accommodation and um, they need to accommodate you. And the, the beauty of it right now is they're having to accommodate other people too. I mean, we're, we're, you listen to the radio, you'll hear stories about truckers who, you know, they just can't pull their rig through some of these drive throughs So they got to get out and go get their order. So I would say at a basic level, you should continue to go to these places, obviously be cautious about walking through drive throughs and, and that sort of thing, but you should let them know politely that you don't have another way of accessing their services and you want their money. And if, um, you, if if they really turn you away, I encourage you to document it. I encourage you to report it. I encourage you to call them out on social media. I encourage you to let your affiliate leaders know so that we can collect these stories and 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 figure out how to have an impact in a messaging way. But the idea of putting out something like we did to the governors and local communities about their materials is a good one. And we'll take a look at that in our advocacy team and see if we can put a letter together that we can more widely distribute. Okay, thank you, President Riccobono. And our second question tonight, we are going to be hearing from Mike Barber from Iowa. Hi, uh, can you hear me okay? Can yeah. hear you, great to hear your voice, Mike. Oh, Mike. Thank you, President Riccobono. Um, First, thank you for this event, and thank you and all the national leaders and our state affiliate president for all the work you folks are doing uh, of the Federation. Um, my question has to do with something I heard on the news earlier this week, and I also saw postings on Facebook. And this has to do, of course, with the with the virus and so forth, and people uh, who uh, unfortunately get this virus. Uh, and come to a situation where a life or death decision has to be made. Now, more and more we're seeing where the medical community is starting to make those decisions. Uh, and this would regard like ventilation and so forth. And I'm and it has to do with the elderly um, um, a lot of the times. But I'm concerned that this could migrate on into people who are blind or with other disabilities. And I'm wondering, is there anything that we can do as a federation to be proactive in uh, defending ourselves? Because I, I guarantee, I, I think it's coming down the line because you know, in New York today, they're already saying that if a EMT comes to a place and somebody doesn't happen to have a pulse, they just don't take them. 
even to try to, to bring it to life. So I, that's my question. And thank you again for the opportunity. Yeah, well, Mike, I appreciate you asking the uh, easy questions right up front. Uh, but it, but you're, in all seriousness, it is an important question. And, and I'm not sure I have the, the best answer to it. I think it's it's something we are going to have to grapple with as a movement to figure out, uh, to your point, what can we do at an individual level to to make that happen? I think that's first and foremost where the network of the Federation is really important. I know that I walk around on a daily basis with the positive feeling that I have so many people that I can call on if I get in trouble. And so I would encourage us to reach out to folks that we know are vulnerable, that might need us, that don't have an advocate in their life to be there for them. Secondly, I think we need to figure out ways to continue to push amongst the medical community to let them know that disability blindness is not a basis for making decisions. We have today signed on to a letter with a number of other disability rights organizations to send guidance to state hospitals that they simply cannot use disability as a basis of discrimination. I'm not sure I have a better answer than that because these are going to be individual things that are happening very fast and in the moment. And I think the best thing I can do is to say, know who to call. If, if you need help, the Federation is here and we'll try to have someone there to help you. Make sure you're connected with some, some Federationists who can help, especially if you don't have family to provide you that support. Certainly, blindness should not be taken into account in this time, but it's, it's a real conversation. We were talking about these conversations before this crisis, and of course, disability not being the most respected uh, characteristic is going to be um, easily used against us in this situation. The, only, the best thing I can say is we have to band together. Thank you so much, Mike. Thank you, President Riccobono. And I have a, another question here that was sent in from Daniel Garcia from Kansas City, Missouri. And his question is, is the National Federation of the Blind working with the Food and Drug Administration so that blind people can have access to at-home testing for COVID-19? Well, thanks, Daniel. Great question. We have not reached out uh, specifically to the FDA about home testing. I, I think there's a lot of still a lot of controversy around home testing. So we haven't specifically reached out to the FDA about how those tests, when they're widely available, will be accessible to blind people. It's a good thought, though, and we'll note that and see if there's a way for us to push into that conversation. Uh, it's always difficult because the FDA has a very specific process they use, but we'll, we'll do our best to stick the priorities of blind people in there and make sure that at least they're not developing tests that actively discriminate against us. And maybe uh, with people coming up with ideas, we can generate some innovations in accessibility in this space. So it's not something we've done yet, but we'll note it and we'll see if there's something we can do. Okay, excellent. Um, now, our next question is something that I know is very important to all of us, something we've been working on. And I'm going to 
call on Briley O'Connor to share her question with all of us. Thank you, President Erica Bono, for your leadership during this time. It's so, so many things happening at once, and I really commend you, the National Center staff for, and the board, and just all the leaders we have for coming together and doing so much for everybody. I'm wondering specifically about places where blind parents can find resources about um, accessibility challenges that they're having accessing distance learning materials for, for their kids, whether they're blind or sighted. I see questions on Facebook every day and struggles from blind parents that are dealing with this and they don't know what to do and they don't know what, really what their rights are as blind parents in regards to access to their kids' education. So I'm wondering what our efforts are, are around that and how maybe we can help. Yeah, so a great question, Briley, and great to hear your voice. Well, so the first thing is, is our accessible now at nfb.org. Uh, it's not specifically tied to, to blind parents, but if you're coming across platforms that are not accessible, you know, we're trying to catalog that information. We have reached out to some of the folks that we have worked with in, in the past, especially Pearson, McGraw-Hill, some of the other uh, Microsoft, you know, partners that we have to continue to push them on making sure they're really providing support and resources on accessibility at this time. Um, so as you find those examples, um, please send them to AccessibleNow at nfb.org. Also, um, you know, we have a blind parents group in the Federation, and I would encourage you to find that group and share information uh, amongst that group. We have not specifically undertaken efforts targeted at blind parents during this time beyond our distance learning activities. But as always, um, we rely on the members of the Federation to help generate support and activities. So Briley, if you or someone else has ideas about things we could be doing to bring uh, these concerns to scale and address them quickly, because of course, there's an urgency to it right now. And some of that is we're just going to have to find workarounds based on the time we're in. Please share them with me or with uh, other leaders in the Federation. And let's figure out what we can do going forward. Lisa Maria Martinez is head of our Blind Parents Group. And I, I know she would love to, to hear from folks about those ideas as well. Excellent. Thank you, President Bicabono. Thank you, Briley. I know Blind Parents uh, that's something, an issue that we are constantly advocating for. So great question. And speaking of um, parenting and blind kids as well, we have had a couple questions come in via chat asking about our Bell Academy status for our Bell Academies this summer and what our stances concerning Bell Academies. Okay, so uh, just for those who may be listening that don't know, um, the Bell Academy is the Braille Enrichment for Literacy and Learning. It's a two-week, traditionally, a two-week in-person summer program for young blind children where we teach Braille and also non-visual skills. It's um, the biggest Braille education program in the nation. And uh, what are we doing about our Bell Academies? Well, we're not sure yet. The, the real answer is it's, it's hard to know exactly um, what we should do. And it's probably gonna vary across the country. We are continuing to take applications 
and we are making plans for what some alternative activities, instructional activities would be to the Bell Academy. Again, we're only kind of really three weeks or so into this, so we haven't had the time to spin up all the ideas we would like. We're thinking big, dreaming big about, well, if we really can't bring students together in a location because of the circumstances, what can we do that can continue to move the needle and help these young people learn Braille, learn that Braille is important, and get connected with blind mentors in the National Federation of the Blind. So we need your ideas about that. I mentioned earlier, Karen Anderson is our coordinator of education programs. I know she would love to hear your ideas about what we can do. We really don't know enough yet to know what the possibilities are for those programs. We are making some alternative plans and starting to build those out. So we need your ideas about what it could look like. Obviously, we don't want to run a federation program that is going to, to be risky. So it's going gonna, it's gonna to depend on the local circumstances, what, what's being talked about, uh, what the restrictions are, that sort of thing. And we just don't know enough sitting at April 2nd to know. Thank you so much. And we've got another question coming in from Bianca. And Bianca wonders if we have a fund where people can donate to help blind people affected by the virus, or if there's something that individual states are doing to help people who've been affected by COVID-19. Oh, Bianca, great question. We, you may know that we, we have um, had funds often collected in certain situations like the uh, Hurricane Harvey or uh, the tornado in Ruston. We have not yet endeavored to collect uh, funds specifically to help individuals at a national level. Now, I do know that many of our affiliates have been undertaking efforts when they've learned about individuals who are in need, who are blind, either to get groceries or something else, who have chipped in to help do that. So what I would say is right now we haven't endeavored to do that, probably because this situation is so complicated, it, it would be hard to manage that and, and probably difficult to raise the kind of money we would need to help all of the individuals we potentially could. So I would encourage you to um, be active with your affiliate to help identify those individuals who really are in need of that sort of support. But again, general donations to the NFB to support what we're trying to do to connect and protect blind people. They're needed more than ever. We know that this is going to have an impact on our on our fundraising. We're expending dollars that we hadn't planned on. You know, we've made the Zoom platform available to all of our affiliates. Uh, there's many other activities. Um, so we never want to turn down dollars, but we do want to make sure they're applied in the right way to help as many blind people as possible. And so far, we haven't put a fund together just to help individuals. Thank you. Well, I know the Federation, we're always looking for ways to give. So thanks for those great suggestions. Um, Chancy would like to know if what, we're, what we can do to help get the word out to blind people about the census and also how can we compel the government to correspond with us about the census taxation and other critical matters in our formats of choice before the next crisis hits? Well, another big question. Um, 
Well, the census is more difficult since it's happening now. Uh, I, I think we should continue to, to promote the phone number and uh, let people know, although they did get sent this code in the mail, they really don't need it necessarily to fill out their census. Uh, taxes uh, and other government documents is a more complicated thing. Um, many of you may know that we are in an active litigation with the IRS regarding tax forms and communications. You probably know we've been through this with other federal agencies like CMS before. So we're working our way through. We are talking to the IRS. We were optimistic about our conversations with the IRS and, and, and getting them to a, a good place. Of course, uh, over the last three weeks, um, yeah, the courts, everybody has kind of been on pause. And so it's hard to know. We know also that these agencies are going to start claiming that they just they have to push the timelines back. So we're continuing to push on these topics. I think we're making good progress on the IRS. But what you can do as individuals, anytime you come across these documents, push back. Uh, tell them you want accessible documents. Even if they tell you they don't do that, tell them you need them and it's their obligation to do it. And you should keep asking for it. And you should document when you do and what they say and share that with us. The more people they hear from and the more evidence we have of people asking for it, the better off we'll be in the long run. We should keep asking for equality as early and as often as possible. This is definitely going to become uh, a huge issue in voting as states rush to get some new form of voting. We know that when they go fast, they often don't think about accessibility. So we have to be vigilant at the local level and share that information up through our organization. Okay, great. And we have we have time for a few more questions. Um, this next one comes from Tracy from Portland. And Tracy would love to know how you see the current situation impacting blind people as we move forward through this pandemic situation as it relates to social distancing of six feet or further from another individual. Specifically thinking about blind people attending to daily tasks, such as using rideshare services, using customer service while shopping or doing other errands, and just wondering what the future of blind people might look like, in your opinion. Oh, if I only had a crystal ball. Um, well, I'd, I'd say uh, this may be where long canes are a benefit, uh, <laughs> uh, but, but seriously, uh, it, it, it's hard to know the society is just going to be different, right? Uh, uh, and it's hard to know for any of us to know what that really looks like. Obviously, in the immediate, uh, I noticed that, and maybe this will change, but I noticed that the sighted public still feels very comfortable grabbing blind people unsolicited. Um, maybe that will never change, although if that was uh, an outcome of this whole thing, that would be, you know, kind of a victory for us. <laughs> but but seriously, related to, you know, being able to have people give you direct instruction where things are, which is appropriate, or using human guide, I, I think we just don't know. I think we have to take responsibility, because that's the best thing we can always do, and making sure that in 
taking ourselves out, we're making sure that we're doing, we're following best practices. We're presenting ourselves as um, being socially responsible with, you know, washing our hands and, and not touching our faces and things like that. I think we're going to be better received if we're doing the things we need to do. If we're not observed doing the things that we need to do, it's going to be harder for us. I just don't know I, that I can predict more than that. What I do know is, like always, this group, blind people, us working together, we'll be able to to define that future if we work together and if we share ideas and if we push in the same direction. And that's what gives me a lot of hope that whatever comes out of the other side of this, we will be stronger for it. I couldn't agree more. And I have another question concerning what message we should convey to the media. Uh, several people have said that they've been asked by local newspapers or other media outlets how COVID-19 is affecting them as a blind person or blind people in general, and how can we get our branding out there? Yeah, well, another great question, and uh, brings to mind that maybe what we should do is put together a, a Zoom training specifically on that with our Director of Public Relations, so we'll note that as a, as a to-do item. Well, there are a lot of things in the media that want to, um, you know, paint us as um, especially vulnerable and, you know, um, folks that are more likely to be uh, harmed by this. What we want to do is shift the messaging to, you know, the real threat to blind people besides the virus, of course, is that we are at a greater disadvantage by the inaccessibility that's already existed and the distance learning activities are a prime example. We've been pounding on this for better than a decade. We've been telling the universities what they need to do, how they need to do it, where their obligations are. We've helped them to know the best practices and they still haven't been doing it. And now blind students have just been thrown into it without any choice and the universities haven't planned for it. And we have students that are right at the end of being ready to graduate. And it, it's, a, it's an additional stress and threat in this already stressful time. So we need to really promote the core message, which we always have, that blindness is not the main problem here. The characteristic of blindness is not what defines the problem. It's the artificial barriers that blind people are running up against. And that, you know, all of the problems that we've always had are amplified. We can't go into the store and, and just peruse the aisles ourselves. So we need to work with someone at the store to do that. Well, we, blind people have had trouble in many stores before getting that sort of assistance. It's only going to be amplified now. So I think we need to continue to pound on those access to information, disparate treatment, um, unequal access, that really needs to be the message and why we need to continue to recognize blind people as an equal part of this society. And I think the access to information about COVID and what's happening, because, I mean, we all listen to the news. It's hard to get accurate information right now. And I, I think that it could be, it could be really uh, dangerous for blind people not to have equal access. 
Okay, and I know I want to just take a moment here before we ask our final question tonight. I want to thank everybody for the incredible questions and for being here with us tonight. I know that we all gain great strength from coming together virtually. And so I, I know that all of us feel the power of our organization tonight and the love within it. So thank you so much for these very thoughtful questions. If we didn't get a chance to get to your question, we will be following up with everybody. So just to let everybody know that. And so President Riccobono, our final question comes from Melody Roan from Richmond, Virginia. And Melody is curious, uh, she'd like to know, while we're observing proper precautions, how can blind people find opportunities to help in the efforts to fight the COVID-19 virus? And have you heard of any innovative ways in which blind people are making a difference in their communities during this time of sheltering in place? Oh, Melody, great question. And, and one that I'd, I'd love to hear more from blind people about um, to, to be able to share that information with you. I know that you know one issue that has been coming up are blood drives and I know that some of our members have helped with some blood drives out there to uh, as volunteers. I'm sure I mean obviously beyond the Federation activities and I, a number of Federationists have been calling and checking on folks and collecting information about who needs groceries and who needs someone to get medicine for them, which I would say are all things that are, are probably beyond. I mean, there's things you would expect from members of the Federation, but it's to a different level. I haven't directly heard of interesting things that blind people are doing to help in their communities. I'm sure there are some, and I think we should continue that conversation and share that because we know how to organize and mobilize better than most folks out there. And it would be great to find some ways to do that. I'm certain there are blind people helping to contribute in the health field. And of course, there are many Federation members and relatives who are helping in the, in the health field. And so we should take a moment also to thank all of those individuals who are, who are participating on the front lines. So I guess to Melody's question, if anybody out there knows of innovative things that are happening, please send them to us. We'd love to hear about it and share those stories. And if you're one of those people, you should write some articles for our blog or the Braille Monitor. We'd love to have that content so we can use it to generate more ideas. Excellent. Thank you so much, President Riccobono. And thank you again, everybody, for your questions. Just a Reminder again to visit our website, nfb.org slash COVID-19 to keep updated. And I, of course, we could not end tonight, President Riccobono, without our customary endings. Yeah, so um, for those of you who um, have not listened to the presidential release before, we always by tradition have ended with customary endings. And for the last five and a half years or so, uh, the customary endings have been coming from the uh, Riccobono children. So it's a pleasure to give you customary endings on our live presidential release from the Riccobono children. Again, our warmest wishes for uh, that you all stay safe and healthy and, and thank you for the work that you're doing. And uh, before we get to the customary endings, let me end 
by saying, as I always do, with a spirit of hope and optimism, let's go build the National Federation of the Blind. Hello, my name is Austin Riccobono, and I have a joke for you. You do? Where are average things manufactured? I don't know. A satisfactory. I'm Elizabeth Riccobono, and I have a joke. You do? Wow. Why did the M&M go to school? Because it wanted some candy? No. That's reasons. It wanted to learn to read? No. Why? It wanted to be a smarty. Oh! Makes sense. My name is Oriana Riccobono, and I'll be telling you two jokes. Two jokes? Go ahead. My first joke is, what's um, a bunny's favorite place to eat? I hop. Oh, of course. Why did the... Chick cross the road. I don't know why. To meet up with her peeps. The preceding message was brought to you by Mark Riccobono, President, National Federation of the Blind, Office of the President at nfb.org, 410-659-9314, www.nfb.org. Let's go build the National Federation of the Blind.